Welcome back to The Reeducation. I apologize for missing two shows last week. It was the Jewish High Holidays, and I had some other work commitments. But I'm back, and today's show is terrific. We have our first return guest, my good friend Jamie Kerchick, the author of The Secret City, and a contributor at Tablet Magazine. Our topic today is asking the question, would Abraham Lincoln support the Lincoln Project? Stay tuned. It's a fun episode. Bush and Dukakis on crime. Bush supports the death penalty for first-degree murderers. Dukakis not only opposes the death penalty, he allowed first-degree murderers to have weekend passes from prison. One was Willie Horton, who murdered a boy in a robbery, stabbing him 19 times. Despite a life sentence, Horton received 10 weekend passes from prison. Horton fled, kidnapped a young couple, stabbing the man and repeatedly raping his girlfriend. Weekend prison passes. Dukakis on crime. You just heard one of the most infamous ads in the history of American politics. It was George H.W. Bush against Mike Dukakis in 1988. And this Willie Horton ad is seen as a textbook example of dog whistle politics. On the surface, it's about criminal justice and the policy of allowing furloughs to prisoners serving life sentences. And that, I guess, is all fair game, but it's really about race. Willie Horton is a black man and his mugshot featuring a menacing scowl and an unkempt afro is prominent in the spot. The images and the mood and the music of the ad appealed to the lizard brain of the voter, the part of our mind most prone to fear and rage. Now, for the political consultant who made this ad, a guy by the name of Lee Atwater, it became his calling card. Here he is in 1988 assuring a reporter that the ad was not racist. I just wonder whether there isn't a tinge of racism. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I don't even think many people in the South know uh, what, what race Willie Horton is. I think that's totally irrelevant. And here is a dissenting view on that question. I said, it's a racist ad. You and George Bush will wear that to your grave. In case you're wondering, that was actually Roger Stone. Yes, the Roger Stone, indicted by the Justice Department, friend of Donald Trump, longtime Republican consultant. Yeah, that guy. Basically agreeing with Mike Dukakis and the New York Times editorial board. Now, I should say, Lee Outwater is a fascinating kind of figure. It's worth watching a documentary made more than 10 years ago called Boogeyman, where that clip was from. Lee Outwater kind of contained multitudes. He was, in many ways, kind of a political hatchet man. But he also was a blues musician who befriended some of the great blues musicians of his era, many of whom, of course, were African-American. The 1980 Republican Convention featured a lot of these musicians. And I recommend a great essay from Greg Tate. You can find it in his volume. He recently passed away called Flyboy in the Buttermilk which sort of gets into the bizarre racial politics of Lee Atwater's friendships with people like Chuck Jackson. Anyway, it's super cool. But today I am bringing up Lee Atwater because the heirs of Atwater, or at least some of them, have begun a kind of soul-searching. Former GOP consultants like Stuart Stevens now say that he was wrong when he believed the Republican Party was primarily comprised of sensible conservatives who liked like limited government. Because in... Stuart Stevens's view, and many others now, the dominant strain for years in the Republican Party was this kind of under-the-surface racism, McCarthyism, nativism, yahooism. Here's longtime GOP consultant Rick Wilson conceding part of that point, at least, in an interview with 60 Minutes from two years ago. You said that Donald Trump has catalyzed a very dark aspect of the Republican Party and that you wanted to look away from that. There were parts of the GOP that we have to look at and, and be honest about what it was. We didn't, we didn't, as a broad party, look at the people in parts of the, of the base in the South and parts of the Midwest who were not motivated by free markets or limited, or limited government or individual liberty. They were motivated by racial animus. Now, one might think that the guilt of the former Republican strategists might drive them out of politics altogether, or at least to reflect on how to win elections without appealing to a voter's fears or enmities. But they went a different route and decided in 2020 to form the Lincoln Project. Now, I imagine most of my listeners know about the Lincoln Project. 
It began, of course, as a super PAC that made negative ads against Donald Trump and the Republican Party and occasionally did, I guess, targeted voter outreach. The Lincoln Project, in many ways, was sort of, say, taking the playbook of the Republicans for the last 40 or 50 years and giving it in 2020, at least, on behalf of the Democratic candidate Joe Biden. Here is Rick Wilson again at an event in 2020 announcing the Lincoln Project. But we have, as the great political philosopher Liam Neeson once said, (laughs) a particular set of skills. Skills that make us a nightmare for people like Donald Trump. Those particular sets of skills that Wilson is referring to are what Atwater excelled at. It was finding an issue or a phrase or an element of an opponent's past and presenting it to voters in a way that maximized its emotional power. This is what the consultants who make political ads are doing. This is what they do. And I got to say, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, as they say, politics ain't beanbag. But it's nonetheless a kind of hackery. And if you watch a new documentary on Showtime about the rise and fall of the Lincoln Project, you get the sense that Wilson and former McCain-Palin campaign manager Steve Schmidt and others don't understand that this is basically hackery, and they instead see themselves as artists or something more noble. For the Lincoln Project, making ads and recommending tweets is saving democracy. Now, the project in this respect, it operates on two levels. The Lincoln Project would purchase ads in the D.C. television market on Fox News aimed at an audience of one. That would be Donald Trump. And in this respect, it was a kind of psychological warfare. Its uh, point was to drive Trump crazy, to push his buttons. You know, there was a I I once had a conversation with uh, one of the founders of the Lincoln Project who explained to me that the thinking behind this is a sort of study of authoritarian, the authoritarian personality and yada, yada, yada. It's also why Lincoln Project purchased this giant billboard in Times Square that was attacking, you know, Jared Kushner and Ivanka. Anyway, all of this was sort of really psychological warfare, try to get your opponent to act crazy, to get under his skin, etc. The other part of the operation, allegedly, was to peel off maybe 3 or 4% of Republican voters in the 2020 election with these very targeted and online ads that would question Trump's patriotism, his intelligence, his honesty, you know, everything about the guy's character. So that was the idea. You want to try to peel off maybe 3 or 4% of the Republican voters and drive Trump nuts. So was it successful? Well, it depends on how you measure it. On the one hand, Joe Biden did win the election, although there were a lot of reasons for that. Donald Trump and professional Republicans were aware of the Lincoln Project. That's certainly true. Donald Trump had mentioned it a few times in, I think, his Twitter feed when he was allowed on Twitter. But I'm not entirely sure that the psychological warfare element of the Lincoln Project really made Trump any crazier than he already was. He already was, like, dialed in, as the kids would say. He was already very online when it came to the Democrats. I'm not entirely sure that the Lincoln Project, you know, was a was a difference maker in that respect. Now, it's certainly true the Lincoln Project was very good at raising money for itself. It raised more than $100 million for their work in 2020. Some of it, a lot of it, I guess, was in small donors, but some of it was from very big fish, particularly in Hollywood. And some of it, like a big chunk of it, like $27 million, went to consulting companies that were owned by some of the founders, which raised a lot of ethical questions. This was a big scandal in 2021 for the Lincoln Project. And I have to say, all of that is a financial black hole because political consultants, that's how they make their money in many ways, is by taking a percentage of ad buy sales for a given campaign. So showing that, you know, Reed Galen's consulting company had 27 million in billing to the Lincoln Project. It certainly sounds fishy. It probably is fishy, but we don't know for sure because it's hard to say, you know, what percentage of that went to actual ads and, you know, who was getting it, what's covering what cost and yada, yada, yada. Anyway, that has been brought up. Now, on the other hand, there were other races the Lincoln Project targeted, not just the presidential race. I'm thinking here of Lindsey Graham's re-election campaign in South Carolina. And in that respect, the Lincoln Project did not make a dent at all. Graham won that one going away. There were other Senate races and House races that the Lincoln Project played in, and nothing really happened there. The Republicans did far better than any of the pre-election polls would have suggested. 
especially given the fact that the leader of the party in 2020, Donald Trump, the president running for re-election, was presiding over the COVID pandemic, and his numbers were awful as a result of that. And yet, I think he performed, he outperformed a lot of the polls. So I really don't want to credit the Lincoln Project in that respect. Now, I should say, at one point in this new Showtime documentary about the Lincoln Project, which I recommend, it's very good, another founder named Jennifer Horn, who would eventually kind of leave in a bit of acrimony from the Lincoln Project, is on a conference call. And she asks this really good question of whether the purpose of the group is to insult Trump or persuade voters. I think that's a good question. Considering that the election in 2020 was, in my view, much closer than everyone had predicted it was, I really don't think that you can say that the Lincoln Project persuaded that many voters. Okay. Now, the one way the Lincoln Project has been absolutely successful has been in giving a certain kind of American, we all know who they are, who have been radicalized by Donald Trump and who envisions herself or himself to be part of a resistance to this new fascism. Anyway, for that kind of American, the Lincoln Project is delivering the content they crave. And it may have started this Lincoln Project as a super PAC helping to elect Joe Biden, but today it's pretty much a media company. The ads that they make, and they still make them all the time, is just like more content that goes along with you know, their podcast, their streaming show on YouTube, their Twitter account, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in this respect, is it really that different from like MSNBC? I don't think it is. It's basically an arm of the Democratic Party today, and it produces content on various kinds of media platforms. To bring this up, a year ago, in 2021, the Lincoln Project was very focused on the Virginia governor's race, where Glenn Youngkin beat Terry McAuliffe. And the Lincoln Project ran these ads that claimed that Glenn Youngkin was a racist Trump clone, even though he was running with a black woman named Winsome Sears as her lieutenant governor. And he was appealing, you know, to vote for her. So it's, it's hard for me to understand how you can be a racist if your running mate is a black woman. But anyway, I am assured by academics, I guess, that yes, you can be. But I don't think that I think it's it, it was a, it's sort of a nonsense claim that Youngkin was a racist. And I think it discredited not just the Lincoln project in the Youngkin race, but I think it discredited the, you know, sort of hangover from 2020, the oversensitivity on race. It, it was in many ways, it was ridiculous. And the voters of Virginia, who, by the way, came out, I think, for Biden by 10 points in 2020, ended up going for Glenn Youngkin. So the people who voted for Barack Obama and Joe Biden and then voted for Glenn Youngkin, I guess were racist according to the Lincoln Project. Anyway, it's a free country. The Lincoln Project can profit from its audience's addiction to self-righteous outrage all at once. But don't tell me that this is saving our republic, because the premise of the Lincoln Project in 2022, at least today, is not to persuade voters to turn away from Trump. It's to convince half the country that the other half of the country is deplorable. And in that respect, it's an analog to the Trump media, people like Sebastian Gorka, whose job is basically to convince half the country that the other half of the country are a bunch of socialist tyranny loving, you know, trans enthusiasts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It is basically to stir up one side of our political culture war. Now, I admit, there is a kind of pleasure and satisfaction that comes from fighting a righteous fight. Political warriors like soldiers of fortune glory in the combat. But eventually, the war has to end, and the nation has to heal. When the Union was about to win the Civil War, to use an appropriate analogy here, President Abraham Lincoln did not gloat. He did not demonize the Confederacy, even though he never wavered from denouncing the evils of slavery. No, Abraham Lincoln urged Americans to see the humanity in their fellow citizens they had been fighting for four long years, as he said in his second inaugural address. With malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive on to finish the work we are in to bind up the nation's wounds to care for him who shall have borne the battle and for his widow and his orphan, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves 
and with all nations. Fantastic. Anyway, America could sure use a project organized around those words and principles today. And I got to tell you, the Lincoln Project is not it. Stop sniffling. You're going to make some plastic surgeon a rich man. Over the prestige and the glory. Another human interest story. The Reeducation is delighted to have our first return guest, my dear friend, the author of The Secret City, a contributing editor at Tablet Magazine, overall terrific writer, Jamie Kirchick. Thanks so much for coming back on The Reeducation. Thank you for having me, Eli. Well, we wanted to do this show because Jamie and I both recently kind of binge watched the Showtime documentary on the Lincoln Project. So it's a little bit more of a topic that's in the news, so to speak. But I want to start off, Jamie, by just maybe let's just say start by kind of setting the table. What is the Lincoln Project and why does it matter? The Lincoln Project was a political action committee founded in 2020 or maybe just before 2020, but for the 2020 election by a group of disaffected Republican political consultants, anti-Trump political consultants. The big names involved were Steve Schmidt, uh, John McCain's campaign chief of staff or campaign manager in 2008, Rick Wilson, who was one of these figures that you know I had never heard of until Donald Trump came around. Right, he was a political consultant in Florida, and was big in the sun. 2016 is when I first heard about him. I, th- I believe he worked for Evan Mullen. I think his campaign in 2016. Rick Wilson, Stu Stevens, the Mitt Romney's campaign manager. And travel writer and novelist. 12, and a travel writer and novelist. A man named John Weaver, who we'll talk more about, also involved in the McCain campaign. Another guy named Reed Galen, I'd never heard of before. Mike yeah, Madrid. former like Bush advance guy. Yeah. Mike, Mike Madrid. Madrid one of the, 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 he was head of the, he was the Latino chief. outreach. But um, he was also the, like a top guy California, in California, in G- California GOP. State, state GOP. Right. Jennifer Horn, who was the former anti-Trump chairman of the New Hampshire GOP, and then another political consultant named Ron Steslau. Right. I think that's eight people. Who, who, and who, like, uh, who like me now, only were never podcasting. Yes. Right. right. His big thing was never like, Trump. I just, right. And now, they wanted to, and it, and it was, and it was. They had viral ads. I think that's what they're mostly known for. Viral ads that were clearly very much the work of. They were, I would say they're they're very much Rick Wilson's flavor, right? Like I, Rick Wilson, I started hearing about or seeing on Twitter. He was a real kind of, he was like a real kind of southern reply you know, guy, foul mouthed, foul mouth. I I refer to him as the Jeff Foxworthy of the resistance wine mom sure. set, kind of a foul mouthed reply guy, basically, right? And to sort of, and he right. wrote like two best selling books. Attacking Trump, you know everything t- Trump touches dies. I mean, just kind of you know, very much like Trump, but anti-Trump, if that makes sense. Trump, you know, the same kind of tone as Trump, but just opposed to him, insulting, I think, demeaning. I think there's, something to, there's something to that, yeah. And that was basically the flavor of the Lincoln Project. I found as an instit- as a as, as an outlet was that their ads and their content was kind of bringing bringing us down to Trump's level. It was caustic. It was funny. Some of the stuff was funny. But it was all kind of personal ad, ad, ad hominem. At the same time, though, they had this also kind of attempt at being very lofty, right? So it was this. Oh, yeah, high, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that's so a, like that's half. A, that's so a like great some, point. Yeah, which is, which is part of my problem with them is that, you know, one day they're showing ads, you know, mocking Trump for not being able to walk properly and like hold a glass of water. They're just like, you know, making fun of, you know, orange hair, orange, orange man bad, basically, right? Yeah, Cheeto. And then the Jesus. next day, yeah. And then the next day, it's like soaring music about, you know, with American flags and veterans and, you know, restore, restore honor to American politics. That's part of my problem with them, frankly. Okay, and, so, and so a couple game. other things I would just add into fill in. The Lincoln Project, in many ways, we find from this documentary, we sort of knew it before, it was like a presidential campaign with only one function, which was negative ads against the, the current Republican president. That, that it's, It was... They sort of they they set themselves up that way. They had rapid response. They had voter outreach and targeting and all this other stuff. Things that, by the way, I didn't know about. I thought it, I I thought it, when they came on the scene that it was basically just 
they did these internet ads and then they kind of convinced themselves at some point in 2020 which is really interesting why don't we just become a media company <laughs> like basically what's the difference between the lincoln project and the daily beast well let's be clear that's rick that seems to be rick wilson and steve and smith. steve smith right but i'm saying they, that the they don't is, they don't they don't keep everyone else in the loop and that's really when the fishers that's but, when you well, see well, for the first time yeah, yeah well we'll get into that but i'm just saying that this is an interest i want to start with this concept here which is that steve schmidt and rick wilson you know because they have a podcast they have an, a, a youtube show they're like you know why aren't we just a media they have a great Twitter, a huge Twitter account. Yeah. Why aren't we just a media company? What is the difference between the Lincoln Project and like, I'm not talking about, you know, like the New York Times because it's much larger. I'm talking about like the Daily Beast or something. Now, the Daily yeah. Beast, obviously, I used to, we, we both used to work there. You know, they have other, they cover culture, they do other things like that. But I'm just saying their political coverage is so in the tank at this point for resistance left mm -hmm. that it's like, well, why, why isn't the, Lincoln Projects to media operation. Right. So that's the first thing I want to say. And that I asked that question because who were they doing it for? Right. There's a brilliant scene in this documentary, which I recommend, which is we're doing a whole show on it because I, it's really interesting. But there's a scene in this documentary where Jennifer Horn at one point says, what are we trying to do here? Are we <laughs> she says, are we to trying to persuade people to vote yeah. for Biden or insult people? That's that's the right. line. I wrote, I wrote right. that what down. Are, yeah. Right. What are we trying to do? It's because. <laughs> I think a lot of the Lincoln Project kind of existed as a way to both stoke and profit from the outrage, but also make the people who are outraged about Trump feel like they're doing something. So I think it actually like, probably started with noble intentions. I think that they really yeah. believed, look, we're we look, we have no future in this party. We're anti-Trump, right? We have no we have no more business that we can do in this party because no one will hire us. And we hate Trump and, you know, let's let's work our magic or let's let's put our skills to use in trying to defeat him. But then I think it became clear, like, wow, this is really catching on and people are giving us lots of money. And then I think they lost any sense of like, well, we're actually going to try to persuade people not to vote for him. It became basically fan service for the resistance left. That's kind of what. Yeah, that's what I want to get. It was entertaining the resistance left. I right. cannot imagine. I cannot imagine any persuadable voters looking at these, you know, Rick Wilson produced ads, thinking, right. oh, you know what? You know what? I was going to support this Trump guy. But then I saw Rick Wilson call him or an orange, <laughs> an orange faced Hitler. And now I'm not, you know, and and then I think that's when the split happens. That's the, the people who left the organization, Madrid, Steslau and Horn. I have respect for them because I think they were in this for the right reasons. Whereas someone like Schmidt, who really comes off. I mean, I didn't like Steve Schmidt before. He really comes off as a as a as an awful human being in this um, but before we get into like the individual personalities because I, I think we largely agree i'm not a big steve schmidt fan either but i want to get into this idea of what are we doing in what, what is this kind of politics where because you can see it on the maga right as well that it it's it's a, it's like this self-looking ice cream cone it's like this yeah. whole concept is of like well you know, my audience wants to be outraged and I'm going to give them that outrage. And by the way, the angrier they get, the more outraged they want to be. So it becomes like a loop. And I kind of feel like, listen, it's not like there's not plenty of things to be angry and outraged about mm. about Trump. I'm not making that argument here. What I'm saying is that it, it kind of put it put millions of people into this kind of their own unreality. And these people who were, you know, the 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 anti-Trump resistance are not are are really like I'm also like there's there are, are I would argue they're kind of our elites in a lot of ways, you know. Yes, and I well look is is the Lincoln Project that much different from MSNBC? No, is it that much it's not. It that's, that much? that's what I'm trying to get. That's why yeah. it was so interesting at the end. We're like, hey, why don't we become a media company? Because right. it's like, hey, that's what. And the media companies like MSNBC, you're the Lincoln right. Project. Exactly. It's like the same thing. You know, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Right. And I could point. I could point to several other media outlets that are the same thing. Right. Um, I mean, we said the Daily Beast. The Daily Beast is shooting too low. It's, like oh, the, yeah, it's yeah. MSNBC. Right. Yeah, MSNBC yeah. is. They're not out there as a news outlet i mean listen yeah. I th there are people who work for msnbc who are news people i'm not going to try to say everybody but they they don't sit start the day by saying 
Well, let's find let's, out what happened in the no, world and like, no, like no, no. figure out. Let's let's get both sides and, you know, have the humility to know no. what they do is they're like, what what tell me something that's bad for Trump and let me figure out how to explain. And that's kind of what yeah. the Lincoln we saw the Lincoln Project does, you know, yes. and that's that's what they were doing. And it's yes. like they're moving at this. Like the other part of it is that there used to be a notion in politics that. Carl Rove had this saying, like, you know, how long are you going to have, you know, how many times is George W. Bush going to say the same message? He's like, until all 270 million people hear it. So you would have a kind of almost very boring if you had to cover a campaign because the candidate would constantly be saying the same damn thing. Well, the interesting thing is like the Lincoln Project, and maybe it's just all of our politics today. They're always looking for like some little new thing. Mm-hmm. that becomes viral that's in a 30 second ad and it's like you can ne- you never get anything it's constantly flitting around to the next scandal as another thing i you know what I, you know what i mean yeah 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 it's just advancing a narrative yeah it is ex- exactly it's advancing a, a narrative okay so now let's i want to move on to the thing that I'm, I'm another part of this that i'm very interested in does any of this actually really affect elections or is it just about kind of driving you know a couple million people nuts you know, and and keeping them forever angry. Well, the, the does it one, actually help well, win elections? Did the Wilson Project help help the Democrats? And they claim that there was one person driven nuts, and that that was the president of the United States. Well, that's that that's what they were doing. The no, and it. that was the purpose yeah. of what they were doing. That's why, for instance, they purchased giant billboard ads in Times Square attacking Jared and Ivanka. People were criticizing them, saying, "Why are you buying advertising in one of the most heavily blue markets in the country?" And they were saying, because that's his hometown and it's going to get under his nerves and we get under his nerves and that somehow that somehow makes it easier for us to beat him or something. I mean, there was this whole kind of concocted, contorted rationale for, you know, and there's a scene where Rick Wilson is saying this, like, you know, this is like the first political campaign in history, the first pack where like we're actually trying to. You know, well, he says it's the first time I've fuck with the candidate. Well, that too, but we're actually trying to like fuck yeah, yeah. with the candidate, right? We're trying to we're trying to trauma. We're trying to get in his head. Okay, but that okay, they raised a hundred million dollars. It wasn't all. Yes. Some of it was for that, but some of it was presumably the traditional purpose of political money, which is to persuade voters or energize voters on your side. That's and they kept talking about the idea of like all we need is three percent. We can get that three percent in these mm. key states to to either not vote for Trump or turn around and vote for Biden. Yeah. Then we'll have done our job. So the, some of it was this traditional campaign. Some of it was almost like psychological warfare against the president himself or his inner circle. Right. And then, yes. like, at one point, they had so much money, they just had a list of people they didn't like. So they would go after, like, you know, semi-prominent Trump staffers who they didn't like. And they would do well, ads Lindsey Graham. Them. They were involved in they were involved in other. Well, well let's talk races. about that. Yeah. That failed, obviously. Big time. In fact, I, mean, I think Lindsay, they lost. Every- Lindsey Graham did very well. Yeah, <laughs> so I remember yeah. he won. He won, and so so that's my first. Is like, how do we evaluate? Do was the Lincoln Project successful? I mean, they will tell you it's successful, but I kind of feel like the Lincoln Project. Leave it like this. I think Jamie, we're both neither Trumpers. We we we, we, wow. we don't like Trump, and we don't like the Democratic resistance to Trump. Sure. But I saying? would also well, I mean, I'm I never I would never vote for Donald Trump. Is that, well, I'm that never going to vote for. Okay, I right. say never. I'm that's included in either. My point is that. Right. But I voted. Trumpers. But I voted for. I mean, I voted for Biden. So I'm not. I mean, I'm not okay. neither. I'm not neither side. I I I, I, I wrote in uh, Louis Farrakhan. Okay, <laughs> it's a joke, everybody. <laughs> I did not write in Louis Farrakhan. Anyway, okay, but the point is, is that did I think well, I would watch Lincoln Project ads sometimes which i thought were so false or like so manipulative and it would make me more sympathetic to trump i would say Mm. is that fair or i would Um, see like i'd like learn about like i would see their sanctimonious bs where they would act like they were saving our democracy when all they were doing is just making these ads that waste people's time and make them more angry about something that's just basically like it's like you know like political entertainment essentially and yeah. they would act like they were like you know tom Paine or something saviors of the republic yeah, yeah saviors of the republic right yeah. and then i would say you know what screw these people they're the, this is why i i can't yeah. stand the so-called resistance yeah i mean that's that's the effect it didn't make me more sympathetic to trump but it made me it just made me kind of loathe the lincoln project and kind of the state of our politics even more and to see okay. all the kind of act all the kind of adulation they were getting in the media right uh, annoyed me 
because I didn't. Oh, well, that's that's another yeah. part of it. And then let's, I mean, we should say it's like they are like. But we should add, followed. Eli, we should add, there yeah. were other Republican anti Trump groups. You know, our friend Bill Crystal ran one, the Republican Voters Against Trump, which was not flashy. It wasn't doing, it was doing the more kind of, you know, shoe leather political organizing. And they were doing ads with like former, uh, like, like veterans who were anti Trump, right? So there was, there was a better model of how to do the sort of disaffected Republican anti Trump messaging out there. It just wasn't all the bells and whistles of the, of the Lincoln Project. It flew more under the media radar. And the fact that we're not talking about it and that there isn't a Showtime documentary and all these celebrities were retweeting it, I think that tells you something about our politics, right? But I think it's important to know that you know there were other Republican anti-Trump outfits doing important work that, in my yeah. opinion, that in my opinion deserve, right. that in my opinion, you know, deserved the money and the accolades that the Lincoln Project was getting. Okay. I mean, you, I think that's you a, sound I, skeptical. I just don't, I just need to like learn more about it. I mean, I'm okay. not trying to, I, I, let me put it like this. I, I'm never going to vote for Trump. I've made this clear in earlier shows and you can read it in my writing. You can follow me on my Twitter account, but I'm of the view at this point that there are so many other problems in the Democrats and among not just problems with the Democrats. I would say I'm going to be very specific. I think that if that there is a tendency among the so-called center of the Democratic Party to want to use law enforcement and the legal system against people with whom they disagree under the guise of so-called disinformation mm -hmm. or what happened under Russiagate and the tenor of that debate, which I also think is incredibly dangerous. And the difference is, is that the Democratic Party is largely the party of our knowledge elites, and they, I think, will have more institutional power, whereas I feel like the Republican Party are the, is the party of the people who are largely left behind by the new knowledge economy. They both pose diff dangers and different dangers to our republic, but that's why I consider myself to be this neither Trumper. Mm. So anyway, but, but that said, I would have to like learn more about that. But I want to get back to, but actually, this is a good segue into it, which is that I mean, so so again, I kind of like I pose it again. What do though? What can we say the Lincoln Project ended up actually doing in terms of the 2020 election? Because I remember what was it was funny about this documentary is that Steve Schmidt and 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 Rick Wilson and everybody else were like, we did such a great job, you know, we were able, we did it, we helped win, we were a big part of this victory for Joe Biden. Whereas at the time, remember the Democrats thought they should have won bigger, you know, you know, and, and actually, they were all resentful that the. De the, the Lincoln Project sucked all this money away from them. I think that what one of the salutary things that Donald Trump yeah. did, one of the very few, was he sort of proved the obsolescence and the uselessness of political consultants. This was a very guy, okay, right? Okay, he proved, and that actually I think is a huge part of what motivated these guys. Okay, they all come across as these noble, you know, we saw the light. Part of the Gun reason players. they hate part of the yeah part of the reason they hate Donald Trump is he kind of put them all out of business. He showed that you don't need. These, you know, you know, Stuart Stevens fashions himself this kind of, you know, he's a novelist, he's a travel writer, he's a Svengali, right? They kind of fashion themselves as these artists. In fact, Mike Madrid, he's painting a, what do you call it, on, on the on the roof a of fresco, his house? Like, a fresco, yeah, like a Michelangelo, okay? yeah. So they portray themselves as these artists, and they have this amazing talent, and no one else, you know, they're just, you, and, you know, Stu Stevens has to come in from, you know, from Uzbekistan or wherever he's traveling and, you know, he's putting the finishing touches off his novel. He, you know, he's called in to, to save the day. And that's how these guys portray themselves. And Donald Trump just proved that you don't need these jokers, okay, to mm -hmm. win the highest office of the land. And I think actually that's been confirmed by the, by the, the story of the Lincoln Project, because they actually didn't do any, they didn't have an impact on the election. What they did was yeah, that's that's what I want to get. Did, at. Let me finish. What they did was, as they do, what political consultants always do, is make a fortune for themselves. Particularly Correct. in this, in the way they made so much money, is that the political consultant, what they do is they take a percentage commission off of all the money that is spent on television <laughs> advertising. Right. And television advertising costs a lot of money. Okay. So if you're spending like twenty million dollars on TV ads, and you're getting like I don't I don't know what the commission is. Maybe it's one percent. Maybe it's two percent. That's a lot of money. Okay. And all and all and and, and so. I think this film showed to me it's a five episode, five hour documentary. I don't know what these guys. I mean, first of all, there's no quantum. There's no quantifiable way. There's no way that they can say that they 
played any role in swinging this election. I, how would they? How would well, they? Well, I that? think by the way, I think they helped lose the election in Virginia for McAuliffe when oh, they. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Remember when right. they did that yes. stunt where they pretended yes, to be the, the Tiki white Torch Supreme. fascists? Yeah, right, right, right. And that was like their thing. And then like you know they, they and they're because they're kind of dishonest about a lot of these things. Yeah, yeah. So. I think they kind of. Have maybe I don't know. Have if, I don't know if most. Here's the thing. I don't. I don't think most Americans pay that much attention. We like you and I do, or most political hobbyists, right? And that's what this is all about. Sure. Political hobbyism, and and most of their donors were Democrats, and they're Democrats who watch these ads. They laugh at them. They think they're funny. They think they're hot. They think they're mean and cruel, and they somehow think that because they're amusing me as a hardcore partisan Democrat who opposes right. Donald Trump. Why would you think that that's going to convince an undecided voter, right? And why would you give money? It really was just like, ha, huh, that's funny. I'm going to give this guy 50 bucks because he made me laugh and it makes me feel good to do it. It's actually not a wise use of your resources, I don't think. Well, what does that have in common though? Because it's not just the fifty dollars. I mean, it's small. Donors. It's a grift. It's, like, it's a grift. They're, 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 but I'm saying it's it's, it's they're very Trump... powerful Hollywood producers who gave lots and lots of. Oh money yes, and I think it's very telling that the movie. But ends. what do they have in what? So what do they have in common with? They're Project? they're entertainers. They're entertainers. Exactly, but what do they do? Their job, or what they think their job is, is to figure out how to give like millions of Americans or millions of people what they want to see. Like if you're mm. a Hollywood producer, your job is to like come up with a TV show or a showrunner or something like that. that the like feel good, com the feel good comedy of the year, right? That's basically right. what exactly. Or if, but, and if you're Rick Wilson, you're supposed to come up with like a viral ad that's going to get like some, some wine mom yeah. to, you know, be like, you know what, that's it. I'm going to like volunteer against Trump or something like that. Yeah. And it's the same kind of thing. It's like the smartest guys in the room who think they know the American people. Right. That's the kind mm -hmm. of idea. Mm -hmm. OK, now I want to move this on to why it is, because I do think this is relevant. That in, in a weird Jamie, tell me what you think of this in a strange way. The idea of the Lincoln Project, it doesn't matter if what's in our ads are true. It just matters that it paints Trump in a bad light. And we emotion we 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 hit you and we give get an emotional reaction out of you, which is like mm -hmm. Lee, Lee Atwater used to talk about this, who was the famous political consultant for Reagan and George H. W. Bush, and like was you know always said to have played very dirty. But his whole thing was I wanted to get emotional resonance for the average voter to kind of get them to be outraged or angry or something like that. And that's basically what these guys at Lincoln. And by the way, the Democrats do the same thing. Everybody does this. This is what political consultants do when they yeah. come up with these ads and everything like that. But like. At the same time, these people are also like now very concerned about fighting disinformation to save our democracy. But isn't that disinformation? Am I wrong? Is that not disinformation? The kind of disinformation you're manipulating my emotions with something that may or may not be true. Well, that's basically as I did a whole show on bullshit. It's like bullshit. It's like it's, it's neither true nor false. And it's just like I say it. This you term know, disinformation has changed so much since I absolutely. first came across yes. it. And I was there like at the beginning because I was working at Radio Free Europe in 2010, 2011, 2012. Right. And in the years leading up to the Iranian, the Ukrainian, the invasion of Ukraine, the Maidan, you were seeing a lot of disinformation, right? Fake news was the I mean, yes. that's actual false stories being transmitted by Russian outlets Russian aligned outlets to basically divide, distract, set people against each other in Central and Eastern Europe, right? And they're near abroad. And that I feel like was a legitimate use of the term. And then it got imported into the United States in terms of our domestic political conversation. And it's gone from being, you know, foreign state propaganda, like RT, Russia Today, the network right. with, which I, with, with, with which I'm, you know, intimately familiar it went from that to basically being d d disinformation is now applied to anything that, you know, upsets someone. It's basically become the progressive or liberal form of fake news, right? Trump would call anything he didn't like fake news. Now, anything that, you know, is not is not conformed to the sort of preferred mainstream narrative is called d d disinformation. Well, that's certainly true. It's always been a concept that was manipulated. But I would go one further and why I'm interested in this idea is that it gets back to this idea in the 20th century of advertising in general, which is that people can be manipulated and you can manipulate their behavior through mass media. 
And, you know, the Russians studied this and they they do it for their strategic reasons. So there, I'm not saying that there isn't something to it. But what I am saying is I just think it's it doesn't exactly it's not a complete explanation for anything. And the people who are in the advertising business or in the manipulation business, which I distinguish very much from the journalism business talk about but i'm saying that it's the people who just are trying to kind of get a rise out of you or manipulate you or get you to buy a product or vote for a candidate or whatever it is like to think that they have the super skill the superpower yes and that that's what is obvious in this documentary is that these people believe that they have this super skill and my point is and i think there's something to what you were saying before about how like donald trump kind of disproved that you don't even really need political consultants although he did it he, himself he had some political <laughs> consultant, let's be honest. He had Steve Bannon. He used Roger Stone at time to time. I mean, like they're But they were but, not part of the class, the class of political consultants, is what I'm saying. No, right. But that's and so the he like there's that famous scene in it where Rick will say, We have a particular set of skills. Mm. And my question is, do you even like those skills are, you know, these are the same skills that I'm sure like somebody in the you know, in in the Kremlin like internet research agency. They would think, yeah, you know, we're 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 manipulating the vote. And that's why and I'm saying like maybe everybody's wrong. Maybe all of these Facebook ads and internet ads and these memes and everything, they entertain us and distract us, but they don't really move the needle that much. And the reason that Trump won is because people were tired of what they saw as forty years of bullshit coming from both parties. Yes. I or enough that's... people, I should say, were tired of it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that's I think I agree with you on that. Okay. You know. All right. So I just think it's I just wanted to sort of hit that note that is it any wonder that the people who are kind of responsible for in some ways you could argue that the Lincoln Project would in some ways sort of see themselves as what like benevolent disinformation. I don't think they. you know what I mean? I don't, I don't think they can. No, no. I'm saying they they're like, yeah, you know what? We 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 manipulate people to, you know, in political context and through mass media and these ads and so forth. But we're doing it for a good cause, which is to discredit Trump. Well, and that's ultimately Stuart Stevens's pitch to the donors after the entire thing collapses. Right. Because we're not various... heroes, we're not yeah. good guys. In fact, you want us because you want us on that wall. But you need every you need us on that of a wall. bitch. That's basically how it's. It's actually yeah. I have to give Stu Stevens credit for that, right? Because you'd think you'd think they're you know they're exposed as you know stealing a bunch of people's money. They are shielding a sexual predator, and he basically comes out and he says, "You know what? We're going to own this. Yeah, we're fucking rogues." And we're we're bad dudes, but you know what? You need a you need a bad dude to fight a bad dude, and that's kind of their pitch. Yeah, so that's kind of their pitch. That's kind of their pitch. Stuart Stevens wrote a book like a year ago or two years ago about how it was all a lie. It was all yeah, a lie. The, Tim Miller rewrote the book recently. It's oh, a, don't say John, that. That's not. That's not. I would. Tim Miller's book is the same thing. I was in Republican politics. I was in Republican politics, and it was so terrible. And I'm so sorry. Please, you know, forgive me. Hey, listen, I, I don't I think Tim. You know. I, I put Tim in a different category than Stu Stevens. What's to, what category do you put Tim? I, former I, former I, guest, uh, by the way. Yeah, I mean, Tim's a friend of mine, and I, I, the fact that he was not involved in the Lincoln Project, I think, says you know a lot about him and his character. So, all right, he's 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 nuts on Russiagate, but okay, fair enough. Okay, but the let's talk about that do you think that republicans should apologize for being involved in professional republican politics because they help divide the country and everything like that which is sort of the thesis of like what Stu stevens and other people are saying mm -hmm. you know i think it's a case-by-case -case basis and like what is like I, I i haven't read his book but was the was the mitt romney campaign racially divisive was the john mccain campaign racially divisive i don't think so i know that that probably a lot of Democrats might disagree with me, but I don't. I don't think so. I don't think they. Well, no, I, don't, I agree with tactic. you. I just think it's a crazy to say. So no, I don't. Right. I mean, I mean, maybe there are other things he feels he should apologize for. I don't know. I don't even know if Stuart Stevens honestly believes that. You know. Well, he does. Um, he thinks that he thinks that Republicans played on racial divisions and these hot button cultural issues, and that that's you know it was and it's dividing the country, and in mm -hmm. many ways it's the sort of this weird legacy, which is a strange thing because. Part of the argument against Trump, as embodied by the Lincoln Project, is that Trump is an alien life force that has corrupted and destroyed the Republican Party from what it was. And we used to be all these good Republican consultants, and now we have to turn against him because he's taken over the Republican Party. Right, so, so it's an interesting kind of thing. It's an interesting divide. Well, there's a contradiction, well, a contradiction there, isn't it? Right, yeah. And they never exactly. really resolve that, do they? They never resolve that. They don't resolve it. 
Because on the one hand, they're like, oh, we want to go back to Ronald Reagan but, and, and George H.W. Bush. But you just told me that, you know, there's the Philadelphia speech in 1980 and then Willie Horton. So which is it? Like, were these guys, you know, incorrigible racists or were they, you know, the old country club Republicans that we can admire? And which is it, guys? Pick your narrative. Pick your story. Yeah, it's kind of a fascinating thing, right? That, like, we only I know think... how to do this, like, really you know, Slash like evil, burn. manipulative, yeah. Yeah. you know, dog whistle politics. And we're really sorry we were doing it. But now let us do it for you. For you. <laughs> <laughs> we can do it for you. Yeah. And good luck. That didn't that didn't win anything. I don't know. My sense is that, like, you know, there were there are big kind of things. Trump was a fascinating candidate in the sense that you couldn't turn him off. He was very entertaining to watch. You couldn't believe that there was a guy who was saying this on a national stage. And then when yeah. he became president, you couldn't believe the president of the United States was tweeting this or saying it. And it was like and then it was too much. And then we got and even if you thought he was funny, and I certainly thought at times he was funny, you realized he was also crazy and terrible for the country and dishonest and, you know, everything else. And then then he denied the and then he, he couldn't accept that he lost an election that he lost. And that was extremely bad. And mm -hmm. and yet I still find myself saying, like, if people like the Lincoln Project, who also were dishonest, are going to tell me the only thing I'm allowed to talk about now until 2024 is January 6th, I find that to be incredibly frustrating as well. Hence, neither Trump. Mm. All right. Any kind of parting thoughts on the Lincoln Project? Well, you know what we didn't talk about is, is John Weaver no, and the grooming. John Weaver, yeah. Let's yeah. talk about that for just a brief second. Do you want to sort of, let's set us up. Well, Amy. there was, yeah, it was, so John Weaver was accused after, these accusations did not come out until after the campaign, that he had basically sexually harassed, you know, dozens of young men, promising them, you know, jobs and professional advancement in exchange for sexual favors. You know, crucially, there's no evidence that he did anything illegal. That he never, there was no, there was no actual, you know, forced physical activity. It was a lot of kind of creepy Twitter messages and totally inappropriate professional behavior. And they knew about this and they covered it up, basically. That's according to people who were people interviewed in this film. And what really bothered me, I mean, I, I wrote a piece that you should maybe link to in your show notes last year called The Real Lincoln Project Scandal, was that when this scandal erupted, Steve Schmidt's response was to retail some story about his past, which he, he claimed. Yeah, I remember this. Em emphasis on claim that he, when he was a 13-year-old boy at summer camp, he was right. molested by a, by a counselor. He was molested, physically molested by a counselor whom all the boys called Gay Ray. So, right. you know, he's basically taking a case involving, you know, John Weaver, a man who did not molest anyone. OK, he was a creep, but he did not molest anyone. And immediately in Steve Schmidt's mind, he's thinking, ah, I'm going to this. This harkens back to that time. I was actually molested by a guy we called Gay Ray. Now, I don't even know if the story's true because I don't believe Steve Schmidt. And I, was, and I don't just think that we should believe all victims. You know, I think yeah, you have to offer proof. And so I'm not yeah. here to say whether or not this story is true. I found his putting this out there as a kind of to make himself the victim, right? When he was also simultaneously being accused of basically siphoning off millions of dollars. And also covering up. To, and I mean, covering this up thing, and to right? make that himself the victim. They had information and that, right, yeah. they didn't. And then to make that, and he, and, he, and he puts out this story that I'm sorry, it's just homophobic, okay? He was, he was playing on people's homophobia. He comes off even worse in this show. Yeah. Um, because it's actually there's that there was a line that came out during this whole scandal where it was said that he had told people that the Lincoln Project would be able to provide generational wealth for its founders. Correct. That that quote was never attributed to anyone in the media accounts. And it turns out that No, 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 it was attributed to him at the time. No, 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 no. The source for it was never attributed. Oh, right. And it turns out in the movie, who who is the source for it? Rick Wilson. <laughs> Rick Wilson's now on the record as saying that Steve Schmidt said this. So it's like, you know, these, these guys, it's like the Iran-Iraq war of political consultants. You know, I just, I wish they could just destroy each other. I mean, is there, I mean, just to sort of steel man it, like, should we be like more accepting? I mean, we don't like Trump. I mean, what is it that we don't like about Rick Wilson, even though he, we agree with him that Trump's not suitable for office? But I mean, I guess my issue would be this. I think that Democrats 
once Trump won the election, for the same reason, by the way, that I, I will never be a Trump person now, is that like I think you have to accept the results of the election. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of Democrats and their actions really didn't, even though Hillary said the words. Yeah. But there were a number of people, obviously, at the FBI and so forth who didn't. So I think Rick Wilson was kind of part of that. And like, you know, he was a big, you know, he was happy to sort of spread all this Russia stuff, which I think is dangerous. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm very anti-Russia, as anybody who reads my Twitter account can say. But, you know, just to sort of steel man it, I mean, like, it's not like, you know, like, I don't know, like if there was some, you know, is there an argument here that's like, you know, why are you focusing on like how bad Rick Wilson is? I mean, the, the elephant in the room is Trump. I mean, because I'm a writer and I'm allowed to talk about whatever I exactly. want. Exactly, we can and have we can I'm have more to, than two thoughts I, in our head. Exactly, and I'm allowed to criticize Donald Trump, and I'm allowed to criticize his critics. Sorry, it's a free country. Do we really care that the Lincoln Project maybe stole donations or resources from the Democrats in 2020? Like, um, I, I like I know that like a lot of people would. That's like a big kind of criticism of them. Like, hey, you know, we you you guys like for this for this BS media machine and yeah. you could have been helping these other races where Democrats were losing. No, and actually some of the most prominent critics, it's not people like you and me. It's it's other Democrats. It's de- it's Democrats. Right. Liberals who felt who from the beginning were saying these guys are grifters. They're not trying to hit persuadable voters. They're part of the problem. They are right. contributing to the coarsening of our politics and they're diverting resources away from worthy causes. Yeah, I believe actually, I AOC, wanna, I AOC, AOC was saying right. that, and I don't agree with her on much, but I agree with her on that. Right, but I'm saying like if there were like other AOC like candidates who wanted to defund the police and like you know BDS Israel and they lost, I don't want to pretend like I give a shit. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm like I'm glad oh. those I'm glad these like socialist you know terrible Democrats lost. So give more money to the Lincoln Project. You know I don't know. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to act like I. You know I just think that there's it's a little unseemly for me to you know, is to concern trolls, so to speak. I mean, I think people who are giving money to the Lincoln Project, it's kind of like joining Scientology at this point. It's like, yeah, if you don't know, right. if you don't know what you're getting into, it's like, it's your own It's like fault. joining Amway. Yeah, like, it's like the, the warning pyramid. signs, right, the yeah. warning signs are all there and you can't, you know, cry over spilled milk at this point. All right. Well, that's, a, that's, that's the show today. Jamie, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks. It was very cathartic. This has been The Re-Education with Eli Lake, a nebulous production. Please find us wherever you find your podcast. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star review. It helps other people find the show and makes us feel really good about what we're doing.